Welcome to a brand new episode of Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy. Today's episode is brought to you by BestFightPicks.com. Go to BestFightPicks.com, type your email in that top right corner, and get the best fight picks and podcast delivered to your inbox every single fight week. Joining me on this very special edition of Half the Battle is 11-1 UFC lightweight contender. I'm talking about Kevin, the Motown Phenom Lee. Kevin, welcome to Half the Battle, man. Thanks for having me, my man. I appreciate it. You yeah, know it. Of course, man. So, you know, your name's the Motown Phenom, so my first question is, what kind of music do you listen to, man? Uh, I listen to only, uh, in, and this is funny because I, I was talking to somebody today, and they wanted to uh, see my Spotify list. Uh, you know, I, I listen to only rap, you know, I listen to, like, hardcore rap, you know, uh, real Detroit shit, not that Eminem shit either, <laughs> you know, like, real hardcore shit. You know, uh, they asked me uh, to play a song on the other uh, radio show that I did. And I said, well, if I do that, we'll have to make the show R-rated. <laughs> so, yeah, name a couple of the artists you like, man. I want to know about this hardcore rap. Uh, right now, uh, you know, I, I support a lot of uh, Detroit rappers. Uh, I swear Vezo being one, you know, it's one of my favorites out right now. But, uh, you know, they got a couple uh, guys coming up, too, like Lil George and... Uh, and uh, dope boys and stuff like that, but um, you know, I kind of like the, the the mainstream hip hop too. You know, Future, Drake, uh, you know, a little bit of Meek Mill here and there. You know what I mean? Ever since he did the whole thing with Drake, I had to kind of tone it down a little bit on the on the Meek Mill. But uh, but uh, you know, I, I enjoy uh, pretty much all of them, really. Yeah, man, good taste indeed. And, you know, your first two fights were actually in Quebec, Canada, and you take on Canadians in their hometown. So I got to know, what was that introduction to pro fighting like? Um, You know, it, it was tough. And, uh, you know, I, 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 it was tough. It was tough. It was, they, I mean, they, and they were both, like, really tough guys, too. You, the two of them that you're talking about in, in particular. The uh, the first guy was uh, Levis Labrie. He, he hasn't fought since he fought me. But um, when he did, he was 2-0 uh, for my pro debut. And not only that, but he was like a three-time Canadian kickboxer national champion, too. Um, so he, he had like a lot of experience. And then the second guy was a, was a Frenchman, uh, Mansour Bernoulli. He was 7-0, and, and uh, you know, I was only 1-0. And, uh, and, I mean, he was as tough as nails, you know. The kid's fighting for his second world title next week in, uh, in M1. So, um, you know, they were both in negative territory, you know what I mean? Uh, going up to Canada, having to fight those guys. Uh, that's actually how I got the nickname Motown Phenom, uh, because I had to go up to Canada to fight those guys, and they knew me as Motown. Um, they, knew, they knew I was from Detroit, you know, and I, and I come up there and I whooped the Canadians ass. Uh, but I had to do that a couple of times in my career. I fought a kid uh, from Indianapolis in Indianapolis. You know, I fought a, another kid from Winnipeg in Winnipeg, uh, another kid from uh, from Illinois. You know, and, and, and I fought these hometown kids and uh, and come out on top. So I think that's what's given me the experience uh, uh, early on in my career. For sure. And the confidence, you know, really shows in all your fights. So you gave up a wrestling career in order to pursue MMA. So just talk about that decision real quick because it seems to have paid off a little bit, huh? Yeah, it, it was a it was a predetermined. Uh, you know, I think one of the few guys who have actually done that, where uh, I went out for wrestling with the intention of going into MMA. 
and uh, especially in college, I, I wrestled as I fought uh, professionally at the same time. And, uh, you know, I didn't really, that's why, I mean, I could have been a whole lot better in, in my wrestling career. Uh, I stopped after my sophomore year in college um, to, to really get into MMA full time. But, uh, you know, I, I didn't put, you know, I didn't put all my effort as a wrestler. I, I, my main focus was MMA, and, uh, and, and that's what it's, that's what it's been, you know. Um, you know, I, I didn't. I was never like a funky guy or anything like. Like some guys, they're really great wrestlers, but they don't translate into great fighters. Uh, when I started, it was with the intention to fight. Nice man. So you go seven and zero in the regional scene. The first three wins by unanimous decision. The next four via sub, and then you get the call to fight in the big show. So what was it like getting that call, Kevin? Um, you know, it, it was, it was like. You know what? What can I even say? You know, it, it, it was a little bit of a, uh, of a of a dream come true. You know, like I said, I've been, I've been thinking about this. I've been dreaming about it since I was 15 years old. So, so before I even started wrestling, before I started doing anything else, so it, it was a dream come true. But at the same time, I knew I had to get down to business. And uh, and I'm not gonna lie, that that first that first uh, fight shocked me a little bit. You know, um, I didn't get the chance to fight in like another big league. Uh, like a legacy or World Series or Bellator even uh, before coming to the UFC. So my first fight there, you know, when I fought in uh, in New Jersey, um, it was it was it was a bit of a shock, you know, to to go from a from a small um, hundred couple people, you know, uh, arena to several thousand, you know, seventeen thousand seat stadium uh, fighting a hometown kid. So it was a uh, you know it was a shock, but it was a, it was good for me. So, Kevin, you were 20 or 21 when you made your UFC debut? I was 21. I was 21. Okay, so, you know, obviously you and Al had a great fight. In the first minute of the fight, it seemed like he kind of dropped you. What was it like, you know, your first minute in the UFC and that happens? You know, what was going through your head? You know, the, the thing with that is, is just, uh, and, and I, I understand that now, I didn't then. Um, you know, when you're when you're in there and you're tense and you're nervous, you know, and you have any, uh, you know, other things going on in your mind, like, like, oh, you know, this is my, I gotta look good, I gotta look good, I gotta look good. When you're tense like that, uh, when you get hit, even if it's small, because it, it wasn't even a big punch. Uh, Al's a hard hitter, but but it wasn't a big punch, you know, it, it wasn't like it, uh, it really rung me. It was, I was tense. Uh, and nervous and uh, inexperienced is what it was. Um, so it, it, it dropped me first. It, um, that fight in particular uh, set off uh, a chain of, of eye problems for me. That punch in particular. It was right in my eye and it, uh, and it actually like uh, scratched my cornea. So for the rest of the fight I had a hard time seeing you know the whole time. Um, so you know, it, it, it was what it was, but now I start to realize that that was, it was my fault, you know. I should have been uh, more relaxed in there and, and, and ready to absorb that shot. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously it was a good learning experience, so what kind of lessons did you take from that fight? Um, pretty much everything. You know, I, 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 tra I didn't really train for that fight. I, I didn't really train the way I should have up until that point. Uh, you know, I trained three, four weeks, you know, enough just to cut the weight and, uh, and make it out to fight. But after that fight, I moved to uh, to Las Vegas um, the next month after that. And for my next couple fights, I, I started putting together real training camps, eight weeks, ten weeks, 
you know, depending on the style, depending on my time frame. And uh, it really showed me that I really need to get serious about the game. And I always said that. I think if I had, if I had won that fight, training the way I was training once a day, three weeks, you know, just to cut the weight, um, I wouldn't be near, near half the fighter that I am right now. And uh, that's what it really showed me. Yeah, and you know, one yeah, you know, common theme common that we're going to talk about on the show, hey, just uh, turn me down real quick in your audio. Oh, oh, my bad, my bad. That's all good, bud. So one common theme we're going to talk about on the show is, you know, your mental fortitude. So you go in there against Alan, you know, it kind of looked like he almost went out from that choke you had, but here's the thing, with a lot of guys, when they're very dominant in a fight and they're, you know, they almost finish someone and then they can't, they break because they're like, what the hell do I have to do to this guy? But with you, you know, it was actually quite the opposite. You keep coming strong no matter what happens in the fight so just talk about that mental fortitude and that will to win um i mean that that's what it is you know it, i think that's a born thing um and it's got me through a lot of fights there have been a lot of fights where i wasn't supposed to win um and and and, and that uh you know you can be the best fighter in the world technical wise you know you can be the best everything you know you can have the best kick you can have the best punch uh shit ain't gonna go your way you know that, that's just how that's just the nature of the sport there's never been anybody in combat sports history to go completely undefeated and not taste a, a loss. Um, so, you know, you, you know, shit ain't always going to go your way, you know. You, you, that's just something you're born with. And, and, and I think that, uh, you know, growing up the way that I did and, uh, and, and having the background that I do, and that's what, that's what kind of uh, given me that drive. For sure, man. And then in your next fight, you take on Jesse Ronson. And, you know, first of all, this dude comes out wearing a mask. Were you like, what the hell is up with this guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought he was a little, I thought he was a little strange even before the fight, though. Um, but, you know, that fight, it was about me getting the W, you know, and trying to show that, uh, that I belong in there, you know. Um, you know, and, get, and getting a little bit of my confidence back. You know, I felt like I was flat in that fight as well. Um, you know, and I, I'm I'm a worst critic, and I'm and I'm honest about it. You know, I, I can tell, I can look at the fight, and I can see. You know, I was just trying to take him down, and it, and it was rushed. You know, it was it was uh, it was not what what I what I'm capable of. You know, and uh, after that fight, I kind of looked back. I kind of sat back and I looked at it and I was like. Fuck, that looked horrible, you know. I, I looked so much better in fights than that. But at the end of the day, I got the W, and uh, and and it was actually over a very tough guy, you know. Uh, Ronson is a uh, Canadian kickboxing champ himself. You know, he's lost a couple in the UFC, but they were all really, really close, uh, split decisions. So, um, you know, I, I was happy, but at the same time, I thought that I could have done much better, and it and it just gave me more motivation. Yeah, you know, in your fight with Ayakinta, you kind of had like a boxing stance where your lead hand was down, your back hand was up, but then you kind of adjusted that in the next fight with Ronson. Now, was this just a matter of the evolution of your striking, or were you just simply taking a different approach in that fight? Um, I want to say it was, it was a little bit of both. Uh, you know, it was my ev evolution in striking for sure. Once I got out there here in Las Vegas and I started working with real boxing, uh, uh, coaches and, you know, real striking coaches that really understand the game. Um, I still do that every now and again. You'll see me, um, but it's not as pronounced as it was before, you know. Before, that was all I did. Now, I'll mix it in to where it's very subtle, you know. Uh, even, like, like in my last fight, I did it a few times, 
and uh, you know, even the commentators don't really pick up on it. You know, they don't really pick up on on, on the rolls and the shoulder rolls and everything. Um, those are very like subtle, uh, very advanced forms of striking. And when I did it in the I quit the fight, I didn't really understand it too much. You know, um, I knew I, I, I'm, it's something that I do naturally, but um, it took it, it's taken me a little more to understand it and really where I've been working over at uh, Mayweather's gym for for a while now, um, for almost a year now. And I've been working with those guys, and, and they've kind of broken me, broken it down for me, and they really understand how the boxing game works. So uh, to to transfer that over into MMA is, is my main goal. Wow, and that's awesome. I had no idea you were working at that gym. So I got to ask you, man. You know, obviously you're gonna talk about you know how how they you know how they show you that boxing technique, but I also want to know, you know, do they give you any shit because you're an MMA guy, or do they respect you? At first they did. They gave me a lot of shit. Um, I'd say for shit six months they gave me a lot of shit. They they uh pretty much everybody there. You know, the, the first time I, I I never forget the first day I went there. Um, there was some sparring going on, so I go and I and I sit and and it may whether it's it's open to the public. You know, people can come in and out and they can watch. You know, um, so I think they thought that I was just a, a they knew I was a fighter, but they didn't know you know the level of fighter that I was. And uh, I'll never forget I, I was. Watching the boxing uh, sparring, you know, I'm, I'm kind of sitting on the ring, and the guy goes over to the corner right near where I'm at, and he, he looks at me and says, this is a real man sport. And, uh, and I was like, oh, okay. Oh, all right. You know? Um, so the next couple of days, next couple of weeks that I went in there, I showed them, like, what real boxing is. And, and, and you know, they realized that I have real boxing and I have real, uh, real kickboxing and, and I can really fight. And I issued a challenge to them. Uh, Mayweather does this thing. It's called the Doghouse. I mean, everybody's kind of heard of it, um, but it's really only for TMT fighters, fighters that are signed under Mayweather's promotion, which I am not. But I issued a challenge: fifty thousand dollars, and I'll box any boxer in there, and I'll box his eyes fucking closed. And do they accept it? Not yet. Not yet. That's what I'm. That's what I'm waiting on. Uh, I want to set up, you know, and, and box Jay Leon. Uh, for 50 G's at, at the Mayweather Boxing Club. You know who gave us, gave us MMA guys a bad rap, I think, has been King Mo. He came over there, and he's worked with him a couple of times. You know, he talks shit. You know, he in there kicking shit with him. But uh, King Mo can't fight. So so that's what's kind of giving us a real bad rap. They're like, oh, these guys really can't fight. Yeah, and, you know, I, I got respect for King Mo because he's a pro fighter and I'm not, but if we're going to be realistic here, you're in the UFC and he's not. UFC is the top of the game. So, yeah, I agree, man. You know, that's the that's the top of the food chain, so they better start to uh, respect that and, you know, hopefully someone takes you up on your challenge. So, you know, I mentioned the fact that, you know, you do have that mental fortitude and that will to win, and you showed it in the Ronson fight because for that first round, you consistently try to take him down, but he'd stuff your takedowns. Now, when a lot of guys get their takedown stuff, they break. With you, it was like, hey, no big deal. If you stuff it 49 times, I'm going to try it 50 more times till you finally get it, and then you finally got it, and, you know, you guys were trading some good body shots. Did you feel his body shots at all, or was it, or was it nothing to you? No, no, you know, when you're in there, you, you, you hardly feel it. Um, no, I, I, I didn't feel any of the body shots. Um, the only thing I really remember from that fight was that he had de he had good defense, you know. Um, you know, I was hitting him with some hard kicks. Uh, you know, I was kicking his arms hard. Um, he didn't really hit hard or anything. He, he kind of had that uh, peppery kind of punch style. So it wasn't like a lot of power. It just, uh, you know, he... Uh, 
I just remember he had good defense as well. Yeah, and speaking of the kicks, there was one sequence that I really liked. He threw an outside leg kick, and you countered with a head kick. Now, he blocked it, but it was a very beautiful move. And, you know, I think if you keep practicing in the gym, one day you're going to land that in a fight. So do you expect to land that highlight reel head kick one of these times in one of these upcoming fights? You know, I'll, I'll say my kicks at that point, they were okay. Um, i say they really got good uh, before the uh, Prisneris fight. Um, and now I feel way more confident in my kicks. Uh, you know, you, you can see it in my last fight versus uh, Muntasri. And Muntasri, I think, I think hands down, you know, he, he hasn't got that exposure yet, but I think hands down he's one of the best strikers in the division. And, uh, and I showed that I can outkick him. So, and, and, and I kicked him hard, and I made him not want to kick me anymore. So, uh, you know, I, I think my kicks are really coming along really, really well. Definitely. And were you surprised that was a split decision? Versus Ronson, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I was. Uh, but then I remember, I remember they, they they called out the last scorecard and it was like thirty twenty seven or something like that. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I got it. Yeah. yeah I, I I thought I had one for sure. I, I didn't I didn't think there was any uh, I don't I didn't think there was any argument that you could make that he won the fight. To be honest. Yeah, you know, he's a very tough guy, but you clearly won the fight, so it is what it is. Next up, you took on John Tuck, and you know, this is a guy, he's an Abu Dhabi brown belt, you know, he's known for his ground game, he's the only UFC fighter from Guam, so you know, he's got a lot of pride, and he's a very mm -hmm. tough guy, and at the time, both of you guys were 8-1, and one, so I really like how Joe Silva, you know, he, he's a genius the way he matches you guys up, and you know... Uh, Tuck was coming off a win where he subbed a guy with uh, heels to the rib via back mount, and we've yeah, never seen yeah. that before. And you know, so on paper, people would be like, "Oh, Kevin Lee's gonna go out there and outstrike him for three rounds," but you had zero problems taking this guy to the ground and ground and pounding him. So once again, you know, talk about your mindset in that fight. You know, having the confidence to take down an Abu Dhabi brown belt and fight inside of his guard. Absolutely. I mean, that was kind of the game plan too. You know, I, I wanted to show. Uh, you know, I also wanted to show to myself a little bit that I could do it, you know, that I could be in somebody's, because uh, not only is he, but he has a very dangerous guard, you know, some guys are like really good at jiu-jitsu, um, but they don't have as great a guard, so, um, but him in particular, he has, he has a very good guard, and uh, I kind of wanted to show to myself that, that I can, uh, that I can take these guys down and, uh, and beat them up, and, 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 and be wary of the submissions, and, uh, and even, you know, be able to beat him up from inside his guard and not even look to pass, you know? Yeah, for sure, man. And even on the feet, you know, he went for a spinning back kick and you countered with a beautiful suplex. So just talk about the mental edge, you know, when you do things like that to your opponent mm -hmm. because you're always a step ahead. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, confidence in this game is a huge thing. Uh, you know, the, the more that you can do to, you know, each little bit of a fight kind of chips away at, at your opponent. So, um... You know, it was just about having the confidence. I just didn't think he could hurt me. I didn't think that he could. Uh, I didn't think that he could submit me. I didn't think he could do anything. You know, and, and when you got that in your head, it's very, very uh, uh, hard for the guy to overcome. So, so you know, in, in that fight in particular, I knew I was going to win. That's what it was. I, I knew for sure I was going to win. There was no doubt in my mind I was going to win. So, so even when he landed some good stuff. It was no, you know, it was no doubt in my mind. And next up, you took on Michelle Prezeres. This is a guy who 30 25 
Taisumov. A lot of people think Taisumov is a, is going to be a big deal in that lightweight division. Michelle Prezeres basically ran through him, and he's a he's a guy that also fought at 170 pounds. He's a very big lightweight. And in my opinion, this is the fight where you really showed the most improvement. You know, obviously the Muntasri fight was very impressive, but here against Prezeres, you got to go three hard rounds in elevation. So, you know, before you talk about what it was like beating a guy like Prezeres, just talk about that altitude real quick. Um, you know, the altitude didn't really affect me too much. I trained hard for that fight. I trained really hard. I, I had some time uh, off between the, the tuck and, and that fight. Um, I tried to get an eye, you know, the... I, I've been, I had this eye problem, so I tried to get it solved before the fight um, and before the holidays, but I trained for maybe 10 weeks for that fight. Um, not only that, but I, I also used a, a elevation tent, um, you know, where I slept at elevation. And so so I, I trained very hard for that fight. By the time I got in Denver, um, I didn't go out early. I only went out on the Tuesday. By the time I got there, I was it, it hardly affected me, to be honest. Um, it, it affected me in the fight. But before then, it didn't really affect me too much. Um, you know, a couple of times I got a little lightheaded here and there. But as far as, like, my cardio and my shape-wise, I didn't feel like it affected me too much. I mean, do you give credit to that elevation tent or just, you know, your work ethic or both or what, man? Yeah, I think I, elevation tent had something to do with it. Um, because a lot of guys were feeling it. Even my coaches were feeling it a little more than I was. Um, so, so I think that elevate. I slept that... Uh, 7,500 feet uh, every night uh, for maybe three and a half weeks. I slept at which behind the science behind it is that you get your body acclimated to to that to that elevation. So I slept at a higher elevation than Denver. So I, I think that had a little bit to do with it, um, for sure. I mean, I wouldn't have done it if I not thought that it would work, you know. Um, but then at the same time, it's 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 a hard work too. You know, it's putting in that effort because even in that third round, I could feel it. I could feel that, that I was a lot more tired in that fight than I had been in previous fights. For sure. So the fight starts off, and, you know, and usually I'm used to you walking guys down, but, you know, with Prezeris, he's the kind of guy that has a limited gas tank, so he comes out super hard he's at first. He's a bull, man. And he actually took your back early on, but, you know, you're smiling, you're checking your watch, you know. And uh, what does it take to break Kevin Lee? It takes a lot. It takes a lot, you know. Um, especially after that, after that Iaquinta fight, you know, I knew I knew what it felt like to to lose, you know, and uh, you know to to not get it your way. And I, I and I knew right away uh, that I'm better than that, you know. It, it, it's gonna take it's gonna take a hell of a lot. It's gonna take a brutal. Uh, 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 a fucking war. It's gonna take something, you know. It's gonna take. You're gonna hit, have to hit me in the head with a, butt, a bat, you know. In in that fight, I thought I had that guillotine early on. Yeah. You know, I thought it was there. The guy doesn't have a neck. That's what it was. You know, he shrugged a little bit and it popped out. So uh, so even when he was on my back, I never panicked. Um, I didn't feel he was very strong. Uh, he was strong, but I felt I was stronger. You know, I didn't, I didn't feel. Uh, any any threat from him. I didn't think that he punched hard. You know, I let him hit me a couple of times. Um, it, it, midway through the first round, uh, you can actually see it, it's maybe like a minute in, right after he got off my back. Um, he throws a left hook, and I and I kind of pull it a little bit, and it goes right past my eye, and uh, and damn near took out my eye. So for that fight, I fought without being able to see for almost 14 minutes. Uh, it was very, very, very painful. 
Um, it was very hard for me to see. And uh, when it, after the fight, when I went to the hospital, they said that I tore my cornea 95% of the way. So um, it was it was a recurrent injury. You know, it was something that had happened to me maybe like three or four times. But during that fight, that was the worst that had happened to me. And uh, after that, I had the surgery and, and I finally got it repaired. Okay, so the eye issues are officially behind you, right? I believe so, 100%. You know, in this last fight, uh, you know, I, I had to take uh, eight weeks without any sort of contact after after the Prezera fight. Two months. And for me, I mean, that's, that's a, like a lifetime, you know. So I had to take two months without any sort of contact after the surgery. Um, but then when I came back, I even fought John or uh, uh, um, James Mutasseri, and he poked me right in the same eye, and uh, it did not get scratched. So I, I think the eye problems are, are far behind me. It used to happen in training all the time too. You know, a piece of the glove would go past my eye and cut it open. It hasn't happened once since then. So, so I think it's been I think it's been dealt with. Well, I'm really glad to hear that. And in that second round against Prezeras, you know, you're really finding a home for the straight punches. It was the most fluid you've ever looked on your feet. So, I mean, was your game plan, you know, obviously you got to gas the guy out because he's a bull like you mentioned, but, I mean, was it a point to show off your improved striking in that fight? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it was, yeah, absolutely. It was, it was a point to show off the, uh, the my striking, for sure. Um I felt like I could have taken him down easily, you know, and, and, and did that something. But I, I'm a complete fighter, so wherever he wanted to take the fight is where I wanted to take it. Um, and, and you can see in that fight, you know, when he shot and I stopped the shot, and then I retook him down after that, you know, or 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 you know, if, if he wanted to grapple, then we started grappling and, and I and I take him down. But there was an, uh, you know, I, it wasn't like I was initiating taking him down and, 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 and beating him up, unless I saw him hurt, uh, like at the end of the fight, I think. Um, I saw him hurt, and, and then I figured I'd take him down and try and finish him from there. Yeah, and at the end of the fight, you actually took his back, you almost choked him out, and this is a second-degree jiu-jitsu black belt, so I mean, you know, what kind of confidence is going, you know, through your mind? Just tell me what you're thinking when you're almost choking out a guy that's, you know, ranked way higher than you on the belt scale. Um, I, you know, I, I train over here at Drysdale's Jiu-Jitsu, too, um, and right now, I mean, they got some monsters coming through that I'm, uh, that I'm going to use to prepare for Leo Santos. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of guys come up here from Brazil to, you know, Vegas is the first place they stop at, you know. Um, they train here at Drysdale's, you know, they, to get ready for Nogi Worlds and stuff. I roll with high, very high-level black belts every day. And, uh, you know, and I get I tap them a couple of times, you know, they tap me a couple of times, but I'm very, very comfortable uh, against the highest level of black belts. Um, guys that have been doing it since they were, you know, too, you know, this tall, you know what I mean? So, uh, I, I, and that just showed my confidence on the ground especially. Um, you know, I feel I'm black belt level. Uh, you know, I train with black belts every single day. I just don't train in the gi, that's why I don't have a black belt. But uh, I, I feel I'm definitely black belt level. Yeah, and I mean, it showed in that fight, and then, you know, your very next fight, as we mentioned, you take on James Muntasri. This is a guy that, you know, he's a black house striker, he's a taekwondo specialist, and a lot of people thought that he could give you a run for your money. You know, you guys had a very good stare down, and, you know, you literally just walked him down, you cut off the ring, and you beat him up. So, how did it feel to get your first UFC finish? It felt great, it felt great. Um, you know, the, the finishes are something that I look for, uh, but, you know, I, I think people are going to say what they're going to say regardless, you know. 
Um, even if you had, you know, even if I had all knockouts on my record, whatever, you know, people are going to find something to say. So, so it's not something that I really let bother me. I, I like to finish more because it's easier. You know, it's much easier to make that money when it's only you when you only have to fight for for four or three minutes, you know, as opposed to a hard fought fifteen minute fight. But you learn a little bit more about yourself in those fifteen minute fights, to be honest. Um, and that fight, I take more away from from the be, before that than I do the actual finish. Uh, you know, being able to outkick the guy, being able to back him up and, and cut him off and uh, and and outstrike him. That that's what I take more away from. Uh, because that's what's gonna add to my uh, to my growth more than the finish will. Yeah, you know, obviously you're a very confident guy, but were you surprised how much better you were than him on the feet? Uh, yeah, yeah, I will say um, he was very good, but but I, I will say I was a little uh, I was a little more surprised than you know because I I brought in a lot of uh, I brought in ta- taekwondo specialists for that camp. Um, two Taekwondo black belts. Like uh, one was like a six degree black belt world champion, and the other was like a third degree uh, world champion. So I, I trained with those guys every day, and and it was for the first couple weeks, it was very hard, you know, to to get used to their kicking style and, and the way they do things. But um, toward the end, I was starting to get the, I was starting to get them mu- you know much better than them. So uh, yeah, I, I was a little surprised. I thought that he would give me a little a little harder time, to be honest. But I think that my preparation is, is what led up to that. Because had I not done that, um, you know, with those with those two guys, you know, I probably wouldn't have been as comfortable with those kicks. Right. So, you know, in that fight, you threw a flying kick at him. And, I mean, was that just, like, to let him know that, you know, this is your house and you're the boss or what? Yeah, yeah, that, that's all it was, you know, and, and, and it goes back to that mental fortitude that, that you talk about. Um, you know, you let the guy know, I'm, I'm right here, motherfucker, like, I'm, I'm right here, I'm in your face, you know. Uh, you know, he threw a flying kick, I saw it, I was like, okay, we can do that, you know, we can both do that. And then right after that, I threw a, uh, a roundhouse and hit him with a sidekick on, uh, on the return. So, um, you know, it, it was a show, I'm like, you know, you ain't the only one who can do it, you know. Yeah, man. And sometimes you have to do that to guys, you know. Sometimes you, you have to take down the jiu-jitsu artist. You know, sometimes you have to outstrike the striker. Uh, you know, you when you see high-level uh, fighters do that kind of stuff, like a George St. Pierre or something, you know, they do that because it, it, it really, like, breaks down the guy's mental, mental edge. Yeah, sometimes you have to full mount Leo Santos, right? So, sometimes you got to. Sometimes you got to choke him out. Sometimes you got to, for sure. Yeah, man. So, you know, it's funny. So with Muntasri, you know, you're beating him up on the feet where he's supposed to have the edge. And he goes for, you know, almost a desperate flying knee. You immediately counter with the takedown. You take his back. And at first, you actually had the arm trap, kind of like an old school BJ Penn. But, you know, when he was able to kind of roll, you got the uh, the the body triangle. You know, is this uh, was this just textbook jujitsu or was this some Robert Drysdale shit? <laughs> no, it's just, it's just good jujitsu is all. You know, my back control is very good. Um, it, it, it's just good jujitsu is all. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's classic stuff. For sure, man. So next up, like we mentioned, you got Leo Santos. This is the guy that's Nova Unial's Brazilian jiu-jitsu coach. You know, obviously, he trains with Aldo, Barrao, all those beasts. And he's a very tough guy, you know. He doesn't look that pretty on the feet, but he can take an ass whooping and then persevere. So, you know, he he knows how to weather a storm. So, are you prepared to just beat him up for three straight rounds? Or are you making a point to be the first man in UFC history to finish Leo Santos? 
Um, no, no, I make it a point. I'm gonna make it a point to finish them. Um, not even from my my uh, you know, for my own sake. It's for the fans, you know, the fans. That, that's what they want to see, and that's and it's for the brass too, for Joe Silva. You know, before I get these tougher fights, so guys don't keep. You know, I asked to fight everybody under the sun before uh, Leo stepped up. And like you said, Leo's a tough guy, you know. He, he's a guy who, who submitted George St. Pierre in less than a minute in Abu Dhabi. Um, you know, he I think he's one of the best uh, jiu-jitsu artists at lightweight in the world. But I think he's over the hill, you know, and I, and I think he's going to be too slow for me. Um, you know, I, I think after the first minute of being in there with me, he's going to realize he don't belong, and he's going to go into a defensive shell and look for the first out, you know. So um, after this fight, and then, and then it's on to greener pastures uh, where I should be right now. Yeah, not only is he fighting a much younger, more athletic, just better fighter, this is also his first time fighting in the United States. So, I mean, you think he's going to feel that difference or what? It is. It, oh, well, uh, I, I actually did not know that. Um, yeah, he's fought yeah, in. No, I, I guess he, he, he definitely will. He definitely will. Um, you know, he, he fought a couple times in Brazil, I guess. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he's coming here to Las Vegas. I live in Las Vegas. You know, this will be my city. It'll be my town, and he's coming to enemy territory, and, it, and it's going to have a big effect on him. Yeah, so, you know, I've seen you tweet out some picks before. You know, you, you're very sharp with uh, who you pick to win these fights. And, obviously, you're a big favorite for this fight. So, I got to know, man, who at UFC 194 should I parlay Kevin Lee with? Oy, you know, it's going to pain me to say this. It's going to pain me to say this, but I know this is what you want to hear. I think Connor will be Aldo. Hell yeah. I think Connor will be Aldo. I didn't think so in the past, you know. I didn't think so. Uh, if you would have asked me this, uh, you know, six months ago, I probably would have said Aldo was going to destroy him. But I think Connor uh, is a for sure bet uh, on the card. Um, another guy, I, I think Chris Weidman, too, uh, will, will, will edge out Luke Rockhold. You know, I think he's got a little bit too much heart for him. Uh, you know, but if if I would go for the sure money, I'd say Connor. I think Connor is sure money in that fight. Yeah, and I agree with you 100%. I'm a big fan of Connor, and we'll talk about him in a sec, but I got to ask you, what do you think about Max Holloway versus Jeremy Stevens? Oh, I love Max. I love Max, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I was actually a little disappointed in that fight because I, I felt like Max should have fought uh, like Chad Mendez or, or, or Frankie Edgar. You know, Max is definitely in that that range. Um, Max has been somebody that I've looked to for a very long time, ever since his fight with Dustin. Uh, you know, he was one of the youngest fighters in the UFC, and at the time, I was a, uh, you know, I was just starting out my pro career, and I was like, yeah, I want to be that guy, you know, when he's 21 in the UFC, and, and I'll be damned, but, you know, it's happened. <laughs> yeah, man. But me and Max are the same age, and, uh, and he has shit, almost three times as much experience in the UFC as me, um, and, 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 and I love the guy. He, he's one of the coolest dudes ever, and I think he's going to really put it on uh, Jeremy Stevens. If, if you want to go sure money, I, I go Max, too. Um, I think Max is going to be way too good a boxer, and, uh, he, he, and he's going to catch him with those kicks, too. Yeah, Max is incredible, and one really interesting backstory about that fight is that, you know, Jeremy actually brought Max to train with him when he was, like, 19, because uh, Jeremy was going to fight Showtime Pettis. Yep, yep. So they know yeah, each other yeah, very I, well. I heard it. I heard it. I heard it. And, uh, and where the grapevine is that Max was putting it on him, too, and that was back then, and Max is 
has gotten only better, and uh, and I think Jeremy's on his way out the door. So, so you know, you can make your pick from there. For sure, man. So, Kevin, what's it like being 23 and living your dream fighting in the UFC? What should I say? You know, I, I come from nothing, you know. I come from, you know, when I grew up, my pops made 10 Gs a year, you know, trying to support four kids. You know, so so I come from nothing. Uh, you know, I don't even know what to say. Even just living in Las Vegas, you know, as opposed to to back home in Detroit, um, it, it it's just a dream come true. I don't I don't even know. You know, I couldn't even I couldn't even describe it to you, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I'm just what it does is nobody's gonna take this away from me. That's what it, that's what it does. Nobody will take it away from me. Yeah, and on that topic, you have some words for a newcomer named Sage Northcutt. Now, I don't want to take anything you say out of context, so I'm just going to give you the mm -hmm. mic. Tell me what you think about this guy. You know, I, like I said, I, I think that he's, uh, you know, he, he's privileged. You know what I mean? I think that he hasn't had to work as hard as other guys. And, and what I said was, I, I'm speaking for other fighters, too. Um, you know, the veterans of the game. Guys, guys like Max, you know, guys like Max Holloway, who is 23, you know, and has 15 fights in the UFC, you know, has won the vast majority of them. Only his last loss was to Connor. You know, before then he lost to Dustin when, on his first UFC fight. And he doesn't get half as much shine as, uh, as Sage, you know. So, so Sage gets the so brunt of, that, uh, of the hate because, you know, I don't think he deserves it. I, I, I seriously don't. I, don't. I don't see anything that the kid has done to deserve it um, other than look pretty. You know, have a good backflip, whatever. He hasn't put in the work like other guys are putting in the work, and, it, and it's not fair. That, that's what it is. Uh, you know, not like, you know, he hasn't put in the work that the vast majority of fighters have. So, you know, I'll call him on his bullshit, and, and he might be a real fighter. You know, I don't know the kid. He might be a real fighter. He might be really good, but, uh, you know, he's going to have to prove it, and the way of proving it to me is by fighting me. So I issued a challenge for him to, uh, to step for Leo to step aside and uh, me and him get it on at 194. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. And, you know, one thing that you and I can both agree on, Kevin, is that the truth always comes out inside the octagon. So we're going to find out firsthand, you know? That's, that's, and I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan too, you know? I want to see if this guy's really got it. So my best way of knowing is to, is to actually get in there with the guy, you know? But it, like I said, I, I think he bowls after, uh, after a little bit of adversity comes his way. Yeah, we're going to have to stay tuned and see what happens. So, you know, obviously you're not looking past Leo Santos, but what are some? Uh, who are some other guys at 155 pounds that, you know, you really foresee yourself having a good fight with down the line? Um, you know, I want that fight with Al back, for sure. Uh, if, if it was a perfect world, I would have had it back in July on that uh, San Diego card. Um, but even if it's in the future... I want that fight with Al back. That, that's one of my main goals. And, uh, you know, I think uh, Cerrone will take the title from Dos Anjos. Um, you know, Khabib might. I'll see how he, tell, I'll see, we'll see how he looks against uh, Tony Ferguson. But I think Tony will probably beat Khabib. And then uh, Tony will be next in line. And if, and if I meet Tony down the road, then that's what it is. If I meet uh, Cerrone down the road, I am open to fight any one of those guys. Uh, especially uh, Cowboy. Yeah, I'm in the minority here as well, and I think that uh, Tony Ferguson has a very good chance to upset Khabib, you know. I think that 
at this day and age, you got to have more than just good wrestling to make it to the top. But I mean, obviously, For sure. obviously his last fight, he beat Rafael Dos Anjos, but the game's evolved since then. That was, you know, that was uh, early 2014. It's almost 2016. The game evolves every single month, my man. You know this firsthand, right? Yep. Yeah, especially with somebody who's been as active as Tony Ferguson and who, who, who has as much momentum as Tony. And, uh, you know, Tony, I think, is going to come in as a more confident guy as well, you know, having uh, already known that he's competed shit, three times as much as, uh, as Habib in the last year. For sure, man. So, hey, Kevin, I really I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me here on half the battle, you know, besides Leo Santos, what's next for Kevin, the Motown phenom, Lee? That title. That title is what's next. That title, the money, and big fights. That's what's next. Hell yeah, man. We can't wait for you to get that. And, you know, just take a second, give any shout-outs you got to give, any plugs. The floor is yours, my friend. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't really have any shout-outs to give. You know, if it makes you asked me the same thing earlier, and I said, nope. Just follow me on Twitter, follow me on Instagram, and then follow me on Facebook at Motown Phenom. You heard it here first, folks. Follow him at Motown Phenom. Now, obviously, I got to thank all the fans that tune in, that watch this, that listen to this. You know, you find me at bestfightpicks.com, at bestfightpicks on Twitter. You go to soundcloud.com slash bestfightpicks. You can subscribe to Half the Battle. Go to YouTube, find that uh, that Half the Battle, that Best Fight Picks channel, and it's all there, man. So, yeah, you guys have a very good day. Enjoy the fights, and thank you very much, Kevin, for your time. No, thank you, my man. I appreciate it.